Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. Just really missing sports right now. Yeah, man, aren't we all? All right, this episode, we're going to wrap up the NFC by analyzing the NFC West. This is set to be a really competitive division, and why not kick things off by discussing the outlook for the team that made it to the Super Bowl last year, the San Francisco 49ers. Trent, how do you feel about the move San Francisco made this offseason? I'm a big fan of what San Fran did, especially with uh, their draft. I think they made the right moves, and they addressed kind of the holes on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, first, they went with Javon Kinlaw. He's a crazy athlete, 6'5", 324 pounds, big muscular guy. It's going to be a large task for a lot of teams to try and block against. I don't think his numbers at South Carolina accurately represent how well he did and how much of a strong presence he is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think he's going to get he's going to pressure guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray a lot and and make and make some noise in this division. And then with their other first round pick, they went wide receiver Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. I think this is the right decision for them. They're kind of thin uh, at wide receiver. They should take I think it was a good idea taking a guy here, maybe trying to let him develop and make, possibly make a big impact in this first year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I do like Ayuk. He is more of a project. You know, wasn't necessarily projected to be a first-round pick, but they did what they had to do to get a guy to play alongside Debo Samuel on the outside. Um, you know, George Kittle was really the only one carrying that offense, and bringing in Ayuk will definitely help uh, help him out. And then, obviously, what you said about Kinlaw, he's a monster. They traded away DeForest Buckner for that pick, actually, which was a little weird because they just signed him to a long-term extension, and then they felt like the the time was right to get rid of him. But they brought in a guy who plays a lot like him in Kinlaw, obviously South Carolina to tackle, as you said. He's a freak athlete. He's going to be a big-time player for them. And then another thing that I liked is they addressed the hole at left tackle, which happened when Joe Staley retired, which I believe was announced on draft night. He was their franchise left tackle. Retired a bit early due to injuries, but they brought in a guy who was, in my opinion, even better in Trent Williams, the former Redskins left tackle, seven-time pro bowler. And they only traded a 2025th and a 2021-third to get him, whereas I know a lot of trade packages that he was being discussed in earlier, uh, they revolved around a first-round pick or even a second-round pick. So San Fran got him on the cheap dime. He's going to be really productive for them. Yeah, I like what they did this offseason, too. Trent, how do you feel the 49ers are going to do this season as a whole? I don't see them doing as well as last year. I think uh, their division is beefed up a bit. They're going to struggle a little bit more. But their defense is still very strong. There's no questioning that. I, uh, teams have had a year to prepare and see what their defense is like, so I think they're going to get broken down a bit more. I see the 49ers as a 10-win team. Uh, getting in the wild card. I don't see them winning the division this year. Uh, how do you feel about it, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty bold prediction. But you look at the dominant teams in the NFL the past couple of years, there's always one consistent theme. They have an elite quarterback. And I am not confident enough to say that the 49ers have an elite quarterback. Obviously, teams can make it to the Super Bowl one or two years every now and then without an elite quarterback. And I think that's what we saw with them last year. Obviously, the talent they surrounded Jimmy Garoppolo with was incredible. But when you look at the actual games, I mean, what was he? He threw the ball nine times in the NFC Championship. That's not going to fly this year. 
like you said earlier, teams have had a year to adjust. The 49ers are a really talented team, but Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think he's going to lead them to back-to-back Super Bowls. It's really tough to get back to the Super Bowl, uh, much less win one. So, yeah, I'm not so sure. I don't think they're going to win the division either, to be completely honest. But I like their team. I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. We'll get to that later. Um, Then looking at this team from a fantasy perspective, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Jimmy Garoppolo, in deeper leagues, he definitely is draftable. He finished as QB 14 in 2019. But the rest of the roster, uh, they definitely have some weapons. George Kittle obviously finished as tight end two last year. He's a monster. He's going to go one or two in terms of tight ends this year in every draft. Debo Samuel is a bit of an interesting case because he's someone who I feel like is a better real-life wide receiver than a fantasy receiver. And I think mainly that's because Jimmy Garoppolo is the one throwing him the ball, and he's just not going to get that many opportunities. Trent, how do you feel about Debo? No, I'm not bit too big on Debo either. I think you hit um, the nail on the head there saying he's he's better – looking at him uh, than how he actually performs in-game. I, I don't draft him in many of my leagues. I mean, of course, he's a draft for wide receiver. Um, it's just not a guy that I think is going to succeed that much this year. I think you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo um, may have his struggles, kind of like last year, not throwing enough balls. Um, but on the contrary, I think that George Kittle is it, going to have no doubt the best year at tight end. I think his main competition is Kelsey and has been the last couple of years. I think Kelsey is going to find himself in even a more uh, crowded wide receiver core um, and more targets for Mahomes this upcoming season. But I th- and I think Kittle is going to shine. Jimmy Garoppolo, trust him. They have a, a really strong and built connection over the past couple of years. So I think Kittle is going to be tight on one this year. I like drafting him. I think he's around the average uh, draft positions at maybe 18 to 20. But I actually like drafting Kittle. I think he has really good value. Yeah, I mean, that's fair on you. I have no qualms with doing that. My draft approach is I don't like to take tight ends till later. But if I'm going to take a tight end this year, it's going to be Kittle first. Like you said, I think you hit it, uh, hit the nail on the coffin, on the head of the coffin there when talking about Travis Kelsey. Um, he's in a really crowded Kansas City offense. And while he's been electric, I think it's going to catch up to him one of these years. But yeah, Trent, let's take a look at their uh, their running back course in terms of the fantasy aspect. Obviously, Raheem Mostert emerged as a guy for them last year, especially in the playoffs. In terms of fantasy, he finished as RB26 in 2019. And then you look at the rest of their backfield. They got rid of Matt Breida, but they still have Tevin Coleman. Jarek McKinnon is coming back off the IR. Trent, do you really think that any of these guys are going to be anything more than flex options this year? Honestly, I don't. I think that uh, I think Mostert and Coleman are going to compete a lot more for touches than people may believe. During last season, when Coleman came back late uh, later in the season from injury, he was electric. He played like four games of incredible football, and then he went down with I think a shoulder or an elbow injury. So he has the injury bug, but when he's healthy, he's a really good player. He's going to take a lot of these touches away from Mostert, who people think it's going to be the, the start of this year. I'm not huge on these guys. I think you can definitely flex Mostert, but if you're drafting your leagues, there's guys like uh, I think Chris Carson, James Conner, go around the same spot that Mostert does, and I'd be drafting those guys with a less crowded backfield, and I will be drafting Mostert in this situation. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we haven't actually seen anything from Jarek McKinnon in the last two years because he's been on the IR with tearing his ACL, I believe it was. But he's a really electric player, too. Don't sleep on him. If he's fully healthy, he's definitely going to give Coleman and Mostert a run for their money with touches. All right, so why don't we move on to the Seattle Seahawks, who, Trent, I believe you think they're going to come out of the division. I can't really argue with that. I like what the Seahawks did this offseason, bringing in Greg Olson uh, to really provide that necessary depth in their tight end position, which already seems pretty deep, but it seems like their tight ends get injured every year. Will Disley was having a fantastic season, and then halfway through the year, he had, he suffered a career-ending injury. Jacob Hollister is decent. He looked a little better towards the end of the year, but Greg Olson is a guy that you know he's going to be consistently there. He's going to be a safety valve for your quarterback. I like that. They also brought in Philip Dorsett, former Patriots wide receiver, just to strengthen the receiving cores. And then I also like their first-round pick, Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech linebacker. He plays a lot like Bobby Wagner, and he expressed a lot of excitement from being able to learn from Bobby Wagner. I think they're really trying to build the Legion of Boom back up in Seattle, and this was a big step towards doing that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jordan Brooks, too. He played all four years, uh, high-level college football, he made a, he made serious contributions at Texas Tech. He's an NFL rate linebacker, and the only reason I, I don't think he was drafted higher is he started to get injured and banged out during his senior season. He missed a few games. I think he can avoid the the injury bug. He's going to make instant contributions on the Seahawks team, uh, especially in the defense. Uh, I also love Greg Olson. I think signing him for the Seahawks was really important. They don't. They don't have the most experienced, uh, I guess, wide receiving and tight end core. Uh, they're pretty young with, with Lockett and Metcalf. And for Olsen, he hasn't had a consistent quarterback in a few years. He's getting up in age. He doesn't have many seasons left in him. I think he's going to make a big impact this year. And as you mentioned, push the Seahawks to a really strong season. Yeah, you know, beyond the football aspect, he's just another leader that they can bring into that locker room to help out the young guys, as you said. So, Trent, how do you think the Seahawks are going to do this season as a whole? I think this is the team that comes out of the uh, NFC West. I see them I see them winning 11 games, personally, maybe 10. Um, I think they're going to find success having Wilson at quarterback. He's coming off of arguably an, an MVP caliber season early on. He was really in those that conversation for MVP. So I think he's going to have a strong year again. They're building around him. They're building the whole team back up. Strong defense, strong offense. I see this team uh, making it to the NFC Championship game and, and winning this division. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I think the most important thing, the key to this team's uh, success is health. Because when you look at last year, Will Disley was having a great year, as I said earlier. Suffered a career. Uh, altering injury, season-ending injury. We don't even know what his status is going into this year. And then you look at their running back core. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, they were a pretty dynamic one-two punch, but both of them are questionable at this point for the start of the year. If you can get all of those guys healthy and ready to go, then this is a team that could really compete and make an impact and push for maybe even a Super Bowl appearance. Can't disagree with you on that. All right, so why don't we take a look at this team uh, from a fantasy perspective? Obviously, you have to start off with Russell Wilson. He's been a perennial top 10 fantasy quarterback, finished his QB4 last year. As you said, he, was, he should have been an MVP candidate. I don't know if he was really in that conversation, but his stats definitely back up that argument. 
Chris Carson finishes RB12 despite uh, suffering a season-ending hip injury near the end of the year and giving up some touches to Rashad Penny. He's still pretty young. I like his potential. He had a bit of uh, a couple of fumbling issues throughout the season, but when he's healthy, when he's holding on to the ball, he's very effective. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys on, on this team that have a lot of fantasy value. For some reason, every year, end up trading for or drafting Tyler Lockett. Somehow, he never does poorly. He, like, he was wide receiver at 13 last year. But there's some games where he only gets two catches. He's definitely a scary player. If he's, he's only like he's only going to get like three or four catches a game, but he makes the most of them. They're usually deep balls. They're usually touchdowns. Pretty consistent, uh, getting you at least 10 to 12 points a week. I'm a big fan of DK Metcalf, especially coming into his second year. He's going to have a stronger connection with Russell Wilson. I know, Jeff, you drafted him today, actually, in a Dynasty League draft. I think he's going to have a great season. Definitely going to improve on those wide receiver 33 numbers. Uh, Carson, RB12 last year. You mentioned the, the one-two punch with Penny. I think the same. it's going to be pretty similar this year. Penny's going to steal some of his points with, with punching the ball in for touchdowns. But other than that, I think Carson is the back to own, uh, running back to own for the Seahawks. And finally, Russell Wilson. I've been in love with him for a long time. He's an unbelievable athlete. I love how he can move out in the pocket. He's, he's not reliant on his arm. He can get first downs on his feet. QB4 last year. He's top five quarterback to like every year. Uh, so definitely don't be afraid to even reach for him. I think it's pre drafts in the 70s, but if you really want um, a solid quarterback this year, don't be afraid to take Wilson in the 60s. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny that you say that Tyler Lockett somehow ends up on your team every year because neither of us are particularly high on him. As you said, he somehow always always finishes as a top 15 quarterback, especially in fantasy, but he's really not that noticeable when you watch the Seahawks play. I think DK Metcalf is a much better receiver from a talent perspective, and I think that's really going to be showing on the field this year. Metcalf finished as wide receiver 33 this year, whereas Lockett was wide receiver 13. I think it's more likely you see those numbers swap by the end of this year. As I know the Seahawks and Pete Carroll are looking to get Metcalf more involved in the offense, whether it's in the slot, out wide, just working him in a variety of different situations just to get their playmaker the ball. Um, yeah, so I did take Metcalf in my 32-team keeper league, which I'll be sharing more information about that on my Twitter um, but yeah, he was a great pick. Lockett, I'm not so sure on this year. Carson, I like, but I have heard noise that about the Seahawks potentially bringing in another running back. They offered uh, Devontae Freeman a one-year, $4 million contract, I think, because they were worried that both Carson and Penny weren't going to be 100% for the season. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And finally, obviously, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. If you can take him, take him. Yeah, and I think for the, I mean, I think we've been kind of stuck on this DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett ordeal. I think DK is more of a raw wide receiver. He's a built freak athlete who's got to start to really learn and develop in this offense of root running and knowing what to be at times. Where Lockett is is a root runner. He's slippery. He somehow finds himself open a lot of deep balls. So they're kind of opposite players in that sense. And I think. DK will actually learn some from Tyler Lockett and as well as Greg Olson and other guys who will just teach him 
kind of the fundamentals going into their second year in the NFL. Fair enough. Can't disagree with that. So why don't we get on to the third team in this division, which is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, instead of talking about their key additions at first, I think it's probably more important to address their key losses. They traded Brandon Cooks to Houston for a 2020 second-round pick. They released Todd Gurley. They released Clay Matthews. And in in turn, they only added uh, really Van Jefferson, a Florida wide receiver, who was that second-round pick from the Texans for Brandon Cooks. So they turned Cooks into Van Jefferson. And then they also drafted Cam Akers, the Florida State running back, to compete with Darrell Henderson for touches. But other than that, obviously they drafted a couple of other guys. These are really the only two key additions to talk about for this Rams team. I think they're definitely going to struggle this year, Trent. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, what I have written down and highlighted is they lost a lot more talent than they gained. And I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, they're losing Brandon Cooks, who even though he's been hit with the injury bug a few times, is one of the more consistent wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, And they moved him for a second-round pick. They moved Gurley, who was the number one running back two years ago. We already talked about him going to Atlanta. I think he's going to have a big year there. And they replaced Gurley with Cam Akers. Not really sure. That is definitely not equal. Uh, maybe Cam Akers can start to work into a bigger role. And then also losing Clay Matthews, who's one of the more experienced guys in the NFL. I mean, had a dominant career. Uh, and he was on the Packers and I guess never really found his footing on the Rams. But I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't hate the draft picks they made. I mean, you lose Gurley, got to bring in a running back to try to help him replace him. So Cam Akers, you know, definitely a suitable guy to throw in there. Had a heavy workload at Florida State. And I also think Van Jefferson, to try to, to draft him, try to help replace Cooks. I mean, they tried replacing pieces they lost. I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that the pieces that they added aren't as strong as what they lost. Yeah, and you know, I think that a lot of people haven't really criticized the Rams for getting rid of Brandon Cooks because they were able to dump his contract. And they've more been criticizing Bill O'Brien and the Texans for taking on and eating his entire contract. But like you said, when Brandon Cooks is healthy, he's a really productive receiver. Before 2019, he had four straight years where he had over 1,000 yards receiving. He had over five touchdowns in each of those years. He's a consistent deep threat. As long as he doesn't get another concussion or another serious injury, he could be a serious weapon for the Texans. And like you said, you know, the Rams are in a really weird spot, obviously coming off a Super Bowl appearance two years ago. And they're a really weird mix of veterans. You look at Cooper Cup and Robert Woods on the outside and rookies slash younger guys bringing in Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Jared Goff, I would qualify as a younger guy. So it's kind of like Sean McVay in the front office doesn't really know how to address their needs. Clay Matthews wasn't necessarily a huge loss, but from a locker room and veteran experience standpoint, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I can't can't agree with you more. So how do you feel like they're going to do this season? Um, I'm not so sure because I don't really want to count Sean McVay out. I think he's a great head coach. I think that he has the opportunity to prove his worth as a head coach because, you know, he was getting praised like crazy when the Rams had that season two years ago and they were dynamite on the offensive side of the ball. So this is his chance to prove that that was his coaching and that wasn't because he had prime Todd Gurley or a better Jared Goff 
or Robert Woods and Cooper Cup also in their healthy primes. This is a chance for him to prove that he is an elite coach in this league and that he can take somewhat subbar talent and turn it into a good product. That being said, I don't think the Rams make the playoffs. I don't think they necessarily compete for the playoffs, but I do see them being around a seven or eight win team. What about you? Honestly, I see them struggling this year. I think they're in a really stacked division. They don't have as much talent as they've had in the past. I just don't see them stacking up very well uh, in the NFL this year. I, I see them only winning um, five or six games. I like, like you said, I, I, I like Sean McVay. I have a lot of faith in him. I just don't know how much he can do with what's left of this team. I'm not that big on Jared Goff and some other pieces they have around him. So, I, yeah, I only see him winning five or six games this year. Yeah, that's fair enough. And then moving on to the fantasy side of the Rams, they have a lot of good players, but no one who's really elite. Obviously, Cooper Cup finished last year as wide receiver four. From a statistical standpoint, you could throw him into that category. But you look towards the end of the year, another emerging target for this team, Tyler Higby, who finished as tight end eight, was really starting to steal some of Cup's targets, which is why Cup is falling so much in uh, mock drafts. His ADP is really low. And Robert Woods finishes wide receiver 14. He's always going to be a consistently good guy that you can flex. Uh, if you have him on your team, you're more than likely starting him. But he's never going to be your wide receiver one. And then Jared Goff, he had an okay year, finished as QB 13. Like, like I said, um, this is a team full of decent fantasy weapons, but no one's really going to win your league. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think these are... Like you said, these are suitable guys to have on your fantasy team, but they're not guys that are going to win you your league. Uh, Robert Woods is probably the guy I like most out of this group. Uh, I think Cup, even though he was wide receiver four last year, I'm not sure how much I trust him, especially how his role kind of got limited when Higby saw a lot more targets. I feel like Woods might have been more consistent getting around maybe 10, 12 points a game more experiencing it. I'm a little higher on Woods than I am on Cup. I think Higby's a very uh, good tight end to grab. Uh, he's probably going to be probably around sixth, sixth best tight end this year, I'd say, uh, depending on you know, how, how some other tight ends do. Not big on Goff. I don't draft him in any leagues. I, I can tell you I like him more than Trubisky, but I don't like him that much. You like me more yeah, than Yeah, I like Jeff more than Trubisky, so if that says anything about Goff, where he's out on my scale. I don't know. And then they brought in Cam Akers. They had Henderson. Henderson's coming into his second year. Akers is entering his first year. I, either guy could take the job here. Neither have uh, – well, Akers has no experience in the NFL. Henderson doesn't have that much experience uh, running, the, running the ball in the NFL. So I think this job's up for grabs. Not sure exactly who's going to take it. I think it's going to be Henderson – but only time will tell. Yeah, you know, I think that this team is actually an interesting dark horse candidate for Devontae Freeman. You know, say they start out of the gate somewhat hot, maybe win their first three or four games, uh, but their running backs are like sort of struggling. Devontae Freeman is still looking for the team where he can get into a situation where he can at least compete for that workhorse spot. So I would look out for the Rams to possibly entertain signing Freeman, even if it's just for a one-year deal. I like that. I, I, I like that call. I, I really could see it. And 
you know, even if they sign Freeman and he doesn't make an immediate impact on the team, he's going to push those young guys to the limit. And, and he can teach them a thing or two about running the ball in the NFL. So I actually really like that, that prediction, Jeff. Thank you. All right, so why don't we move on to the fourth and final team in this division, arguably the most hyped team in the NFL entering this season. That is, of course, the Arizona Cardinals. Trent, how do you feel about the addition that the Cardinals made this offseason? They made the right moves, I can tell you that much. I mean, they pulled off what was arguably one of the craziest deals with getting Hopkins in that trade. The NFL, the sports were alike, were all stunned when they snagged Hopkins from the Texans. He's arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, and they gave up replaceable assets. So, I mean, for the Cardinals, this was, this was a steal. Uh, I, I love uh, them taking Isaiah Simmons with, I think it was the eighth pick. Uh, I think they were very fortunate for him to drop to eight, honestly. He was a top five talent, in my opinion. He backed that up with his play at Clemson. He was ACC Defensive Player of the Year, first team All-American. He's just a crazy athlete, strong combination of, of speed and strength. And he doesn't, he's not limited to playing at linebacker. You could see him playing in, in a couple of defensive uh, positions on, on this team. So putting Isaiah Simmons on that defense is going to make a big difference. And putting Hopkins on the offense is franchise changing. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a chance to go out and get a receiver in their prime like DeAndre Hopkins, you do it. And they didn't just do that. They traded away their biggest contract in David Johnson, who, you know, we both like David Johnson, but the Cardinals had their guy in Kenyon Drake. They liked him more. He was on a cheaper deal. And not only were they able to get arguably the best receiver in the NFL, but they moved their biggest contract to do so. So that was a stunning move. You got to give your, uh, you got to tip your caps to the Cardinals front office for being able to do that. I love Isaiah Simmons. You've said enough about him. He's a generational talent. I'm shocked he fell to eight in the draft this year. He was one of my favorite defensive players. Uh, I like them also bringing in Devon Kennard, the former Lions outside linebacker. He can teach Simmons a thing or two. Uh, they made an effort to bulk up their defense, not just their offense. Um, yeah, Trent, how do you think the Cardinals are going to do this year? Honestly, they're a big question mark for me. It's it's very confusing seeing some people rank them as highly as Super Bowl contenders and them coming off the season they had with the second-year quarterback. It's really hard for me to predict. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to just miss out. They're going to be an eight, nine-win team, but they're, they're not going to find themselves playing in the postseason. I think they're going to have a really positive season. I think they have a lot of close losses just because um, Murray's young. And honestly, I'd love to see them in the playoffs. I think they could really shake things up if they do just because of how explosive they are on offense. How do you feel about it, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, just to start with Kyler Murray, here's a little statistic for you that I'm sure most NFL fans know. The last two MVPs have been second-year quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is one of my favorite picks for that MVP award this year. Looking at the, at the talent that they surrounded him with, Kenyon Drake, he's an explosive back. He can catch passes and make plays out of the backfield. 
Obviously, Hopkins is a generational talent. Christian Kirk is coming into his third year in the league, I think it is. He had a good year last year. He's going to be really good number two slash number three option. You can't forget about Larry Fitz. While he's not necessarily a fantasy game changer, he's going to be able to mentor Kirk, mentor Hopkins a little bit. Not necessarily that Hopkins needs mentoring, but this is a really deep receiving core. The talent on this offense is through the roof. And then they did what they needed to do to bulk up the defense. I think Kyler Murray is going to get every opportunity he needs to be the MVP this year. And then looking at the Cardinals from a whole, I agree with what you said. It really is a big question mark. They could come out of the gate hot, win five straight. They could go one of four. We don't really know. It's all about Kyler Murray, in my opinion, how he can adjust to the spotlight, really to the pressure of uh, playing in these big, these bigger games, um, whether he's able to make the throws necessary to win games because he struggled in the clutch a little bit last year. From a statistical standpoint, this is a really good team, but and from a technical standpoint, but I'm just not so sure how they're going to do on the year. So how do you feel about some of these guys fantasy-wise? I mean, obviously you have elite options at a multitude of positions. Kyler Murray was QB7 last year. He's a lot of experts QB3 in draft this year behind uh, behind Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and I can't really justify that because you know I love Dak. But Kyler Murray, yeah, he's going to be a really good quarterback. If you have the chance to draft him, go for it. Kenyon Drake exploded for Arizona when he arrived there after being traded from Miami. Uh, he's being drafted as soon as the late first round and early second round in mock drafts right now, especially in PPR. I'm not ready to go quite there yet, but I think he'll be a good fantasy asset. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is an elite wide receiver. He's, in my opinion, the second best receiver this year in drafts. So, yeah, they definitely have a lot of weapons. How do you feel about it, Trent? I love this team fantasy-wise. I mean, from taking a guy in the first round with Hopkins from the Cardinals all the way to your later draft picks. I mean, Fitzgerald started um, this mock draft season, I guess I would call it, in the 120s. He's all the way up into the 90s, I believe, now. And I still think he has fantasy value. I still think he's going to make an impact on this team. He's arguably one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. So I'm a big fan of of drafting Fitz to throw on your bench. Could be a good guy to slot in there um, and for a couple of weeks. Kirk's going to have another good season. Especially with Hopkins, he's going to have a lot of pressure on Hopkins. So Kirk's going to see the second-best cornerback on a lot of teams, possibly even third, depending on how good Fitz is doing this season. So Kirk has uh, the potential to put up some really good numbers. Drake, as you mentioned, he's going around the 15th pick. I do like him. Uh, especially David Johnson's gone, open backfield off for him. Uh, Kyler Murray's going to get pressured a lot. I think Drake's numbers are going to improve from RB17. I just don't know if they're going to be as high as people are predicting him for mock drafts. And then for Kyler, I'm not that high on him just because it's his second year. Uh, I think he can do well. And all, like you said, they could come out 5-0 and or 1-4. and I honestly think it's, they're going to have like that, that shaky start, two and three. He's going to have a tough time finding his footing. So I don't think his numbers are going to be great. Uh, but definitely a QB you can draft a start in your fantasy team. Absolutely. All right. So now that we have covered all four teams in this division, we're going to move on to 
the next segment, which is Rapid Fire. We introduced this segment last episode, and if you're new here, here's how it works. I will ask Trent a series of Rapid Fire questions, which he must answer off the top of his head, while giving a very brief description backing up his answer if he chooses to. After each of his answers, I will respond in the same Rapid Fire manner with my predictions. So, Trent, are you ready for the first question? Hit me. Who was the best offseason pickup in this division? For me, it's got to be Hopkins. I think we just talked about uh, how much of an impact he's going to make on this team and the value they got him for. It's got to be Hopkins for me. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. All right, moving on. What was the best draft pick made out of these four teams? I think for value, Isaiah Simmons should have never dropped to eight, so I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, like, like you said, I can't really disagree with you there. The only guy who gives him a run for his money is Javin Kinlaw, in my opinion. But moving on, who's going to have a better fantasy season, DK Metcalf or Cooper Cup? Got to go with DK. I'm going to go with Cup. Actually, I think Cup's still going to have a better year. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But I, I would say I would lean Cup. Okay. Will Kenyon Drake finish as a top 10 fantasy running back? I'm going to say yes, and he's going to finish ninth. And I think I had Aaron Jones finishing 10th. So that's where I'm going to put him at nine. I don't think so. I'm not even sure he's a top 15 running back, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I'm not that high on him this year. What will be the best team in this division in three years? I think in three years, it's got to be the Cardinals, just the way they set themselves up for the future. And once Kyle Murray has a couple of years under his belt, they're going to be a real force in the NFL. Yeah, this team is primed to be a force in the NFL next year, never mind three years. So who's going to have the better fantasy season, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson? I'm going with Russ. He's one of the most consistent guys in the NFL. He's going to be able to move in the pocket. He's added some weapons uh, for him to throw to. Going to go with Russell Wilson. I'm going to go with Kyler, actually. And it's not because I think he's the better quarterback. I think he's surrounded by better weapons. That's all. Who's the starting running back for the Rams by the end of the season? I could see this going either way. Um, I'm going to go with Henderson on this one. But I'd love to see if your prediction is right and Freeman comes on this team because I could see him starting by the end of the season, too. Yeah, I mean, if I had to make an outlandish prediction, it would be that Devontae Freeman is the starter. But just between the two backs that they have on the roster going into the season, I'm going to lean Akers. I don't think they draft Akers if they feel confident with Henderson as their starting running back. So I think that by the end of the year, he'll have the job. All right, moving on. Will the Niners be the highest scoring fantasy defense this year? Yeah, I got to go with yes. They're just freakishly dominant. they might not have too many interceptions, but sacks-wise and stuff like that, they're going to pile them on. I think they will be too, but I think the Ravens could give them a serious run for their money. They added Calais Campbell and a couple of other guys this year. Obviously, Earl Thomas, while he had that fiasco uh, with his wife, um, he's still playing, so they have a really dangerous defense too. Okay, how many teams will make the playoffs from this division? I'm going to go with two. I'm going to stick with what I had said before. I'm going to go with Niners and Seahawks. I think it's really tough for a third team to come out of a division this strong. Yeah, I agree with you there. And finally, will one of these teams win the Super Bowl in the next three years? I'm going to go with yes. And honestly, I'm going to say that possibly two of these teams could win Super Bowls in the next three years. Okay. 
Okay, fair enough. You, would you like to share uh, which two of these teams are since that was our last yeah, question? I, I think the Seahawks um, are a team that might win next year and the Cardinals the following year. Okay, I actually think that the Niners and the Seahawks will get one. I, th- I think that the Seahawks are better primed for this year, and I think that Jimmy G hopefully he figures it out. But I think that the Niners at least have a good chance to get back to the Super Bowl. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode four of the rollout. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll be back Monday to start tackling the AFC. I think we're going to start with the AFC East, and we all know what uh, debate that's going to bring, Trent. Oh, yeah. Stud him or done him? <laughs> All right, guys, stay tuned and stay safe out there, everyone.